Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. friends that was officially you just pop in like that i like i like that nice to see you um that was an officially a six minute break just you're welcome it's our anniversary right so you're welcome feeling really generous today all right uh i know what you've all been waiting for and hoping for chris 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 when are we going to start a new series well today my friends it's right now right uh, yeah i know and the series um, is called Witness. And not like Witness, like when I was in youth group in a very evangelical church, and it was like Witness meant I have to go to all my friends and witness to them, but I didn't really know what that meant. And so I got really a lot of awkward conversations about Jesus and hell. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I feel very uncomfortable. I was a mime. I witnessed for the Lord through mime. And I quit mime after I was at the county fair in Barnum, right, of your favorite county, Carlton. And we're doing some kind of mime witnessing to everyone. And then the whole basketball team, all my friends, well, and they looked at me. And I looked at them like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so my witnessing was not strong enough to go through that. Uh, whatever. So we're not talking about that. And, and we're not also going to break down the Harrison Ford movie called Witness and, like, break it down and get, learn some things from it. We could. I thought that joke would land a little bit better than that. So <laughs> um, we're talking about witness as in when you are... Um, in real life, IRL, uh, you are, you're taking in something that is moving you. And maybe it's something beautiful, or maybe it's something um, uh, horrifying, right? You're still witnessing, and you're taking it in. Uh, and this is important, because it is easy to get caught in a rut. It's easy to get caught in a system. It's like it's Taco Tuesday, then it's Wing Wednesday, then it's Tater Tot Thursday, and whatever, right? Like, you just have your routine where you just kind of, like, get through life. Anyone ever been there before? Like you're, all of a sudden you're like popping, you're like, wait a second, what happened for the last three months? <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's important to be uh, awake. And there's like been beautiful things. Um, like uh, I remember when we were, we, I always say we had a baby. We did not have a baby. Nikki had a baby, right? And, uh, <laughs> and I remember talking to the doctor because the human body and I, we're not like really good friends. And so I was nervous about being in the room for the, the labor and the doctor's like, oh, really nice. And then uh, th it started to happen. And all of a sudden I got dizzy and I'm doing this. And the doctor looked at me and says, you got to figure this out or you got to go. And I'm like, yes, 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 right? And I got to, I got to witness. And I, I tell this to people who are having a baby. Like, it is crazy how you can meet a stranger and it can just rob your heart, right? It is crazy. And so I got to witness that. And now I'm about to say I'm putting on the equal status of I remember I'm watching a basketball player. <laughs> I got to witness, right? I, I grew up playing basketball, and I'd watch um, um, Inside, is it Inside Jam? Is that what the NBA show is called? Inside Stuff, thank you. <laughs> I like how you put your cup, you did, if you're watching, you like Inside Stuff. Um, uh, I'd watch it, and I'd go outside, put up ladders in the driveway, and I'd like shoot over them, and I'd yell like, Kobe, right? I'd do all that stuff. Um, and we had a basketball team, and we, had, we did fairly well as a basketball team in high school. 
And I remember thinking, like, we are athletes. We're a team. And then we played against this guy named Rick Rickard. Anyone know, remember Rick Rickard? All right, right? And he's seven feet tall and went to play basketball with the Minnesota Gophers. And then he got drafted by the Timberwolves. Then he got punched in the face by Kevin Garnett. Then he no longer played for the Timberwolves, right? But I remember I had to guard him. And I'm like, why me? I had like a big afro. I was this tall, but like 150, yeah, 150 pounds, right? I'm close to what I am now. And so, uh, and I remember like, he can do whatever he wants. I'm like, oh, he's an athlete, and we're all just wearing matching jerseys, <laughs> right? I remember like witnessing, and I, I remember I, I got to watch Joe Maurer, um, who was a, a, a Minnesota twin, but I watched him play high school football, and I got to watch him win the state championship. And I'm watching him, and he's just out there, and he's just like having, he can do whatever he wants. And I was witnessing, I'm like, that's an athlete, and everyone else is just in his world. And, and you see how he equated sports to the birth of my children? Yeah, I did that. I did that. But I think it's important that we are aware because there's beautiful and important and intriguing things happening all around us. And what we're going to be talking about is in, imagine this, uh, in the Gospels, there is multiple witnesses of what's happening to Jesus. We're going to be talking about the, the people who see Jesus, and for whatever reason they see Jesus, it demands something of them or from them. But also, we're going to be talking about the witness of the people who wrote the Bible, right? That they were watching something in real life, and as they're, as they're seeing it and processing it with their bias and their experience and their history and the way they view the world and science and God and humanity and why they chose to tell the story that way, right? What I think is really important. So, and the reason we're doing this is, yes, we should be aware of what's happening around us. But here's where we miss out of what, when we think about witnessing something, is we can experience it, we can see it, and we can say, wow, that was amazing. But what is it inviting you to do? What is it inviting you to be? Because if you are witnessing maybe something in your life that you're tolerating, maybe there's something in your life you're like, I should do something about that, I should probably check in on that, or maybe you have something that's happening in your friendship circle or your family or at work. Maybe it's, it's, it's really toxic, and you, you, you're witnessing it happening, and you're like, well, what can I do? Right? What, what can I do? It's important that we are aware of when we witness these things that we have agency, right? And we have influence and we have moxie and we have leadership and we have things to respond to that are beautiful and things and injustices in the world that we can respond to as well. So where we're starting is your favorite Bible story called the 10 lepers, right? Everyone's like, yeah, of course we're going to start there. And this is in Luke, um, where am I at? Luke 17, verses 11 through 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other one, other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All right. This is six verses, but there's so much packed in here. The first thing is this. Luke um, wrote the story. Luke wrote um, uh, Luke, and then he also wrote, um, I know, is that profound? Luke wrote Luke, and, but he also wrote Acts. And um, Luke has this, um, this way of viewing the world. Like he could write about 
all the things that Jesus did. But he chooses, but a lot of emphasis on not the powerful, beautiful people, the people who have, like, influence. He is very attuned of when Jesus interacts with people who are, like, outside of the cultural norm. People who have um, been impacted and influenced by how they've set up what it means to be human and who has power and all, all that stuff. So, he, like, he's very attuned to that. But how does he start? He starts by saying, Luke, or not Luke, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is chapter 17. I think in chapter 4, Luke says, um, uh, introduced the idea of Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, right? So you have to be aware, everything that Jesus does, from that point, Jesus is moving towards death, right? He's moving towards the cross. And it's, 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 it's interesting, when we read the Bible, or when, yeah, when we read the Bible, we have chapters and verses, so we can isolate stories. Like, we can just say, here's the ten lepers, and we can go over here, and Jesus feeding the 5,000. We can go over here, and Jesus on the cross and resurrection. Without thinking, there is this whole narrative that Luke is taking time, right, to put in place. And there's a reason he's telling a story in the time he is. So everything that from chapter 4 until the, um, the cross, Jesus is interacting knowing that death and resurrection is coming. So you have to take that into account as you read this story. Now, do I believe that Jesus knew that he was going to die? Yes, I do. But do I think that God, like, dropped, like, a little prophetic wisdom in his head, and he's like, you're going to die on the cross for the sins of all mankind? No, I, I, I don't. I'm open to it, right? I'm open to it. Atonement theory and I, we don't really jam that much. But I do believe Jesus knew that he was pro- some violence was going to happen to him because he was awake, Right? He knew the stories from his people. If people um, went up against power, if people spoke up against those who have influence saying, hey, what if there's a new way of doing things? Rome had this way of, like, putting their boot on your throat quickly, right? So it would be the same way. Let's say Jordan and I. I said, Jordan, let's practice juggling knives. And you said, Chris, that is a great idea, right? I said, okay, we're going to throw knives at each other, right? And you said, yes, right? We would both be aware that we're going to the hospital, right, quickly. We are both aware that we're going to be missing a finger or maybe two, right? So in the same way, I believe that Jesus, moving towards Jerusalem, is probably aware of what's going to happen to him. So that we have to take that into account. Second is that Luke says that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem and that he's going, he's somewhere between Galilee and Samaria. He's, he's like walking this, this border and then Jesus is walking towards a village, and there's lepers, and Jesus is in between it. And in this group of lepers, we see that there is this Samaritan, this outsider, this foreigner, is what Luke calls him, this, this alien. There's all this movement, and there's all this, like, in-between stuff. Like, Luke is, like, kicking something in the air, is trying to get the audience that whatever you think, like, binary ways of thinking, or whatever you think, like, is he in Samar- uh, Samaria, is he in Galilee, like, looks like he's, like, in between, which is really, I think, really important. I think it's fascinating to think about is that when you think about, when you read the Bible, and every time you read the Bible, you're always, like, the one who's celebrated, right? When you read the Bible, every time, like, you're the winner, you're like, yeah, it's true. Jesus does stand with us. But you never see yourself as part of the empire. <laughs> you might be reading the Bible a little bit differently, Right? If every time that you think that God is on your side, that the Christ is on your side, of course, of course, Christ would vote like this. Of course, of co- I'm saying course. <laughs> of course, God would vote like that, right? Of co- <laughs> Stop. Okay. Reset the mechanism. Of course, God would do this with me. Of course, God would approve this. 
right? And I, I would say that a lot of times, it's not as black and white. A lot of times, I think there's some nuance. I think there's some in-between. I think there might be a little bit of fuzziness, which I really appreciate, which I really like about God. So in this in-between, Jesus is, there's this, um, there's this village and this town, and there's the lepers. And what do the lepers yell? Right? They say, Master, Jesus, have pity on us. Now, this is, this is brilliant. Because the, the lepers are over here because they're lepers, right? They have this skin disease. One scholar I read uh, is like the way that we kind of think about um, lepers is like maybe like an ear falling off in the soup. He says more than likely not like that. It would be mostly like a skin rash that would be visible. And because of that, it's not like one day they woke up and said, hey, you know what would be a great life decision? Leprosy. <laughs> Sign me up, right? And no fault of their own, they have this disease, and a priest looks at Adam and says, hey, now you get to go live in your favorite place, a leper colony, right? And anywhere they'd show up, they'd have to show up, and they'd say, they'd have to announce that they're unclean, right? So they were only viewed as a threat. They were viewed as their diagnosis. That's how they had to show up. Imagine going to junior high in the lunchroom for the first time, and you, you already have enough pressure as well. You walk in, you're like, hey, guys, can I sit with you? I'm unclean, right? It's like everywhere you go, you are known not as Chris, not as Rebecca. You're just known as the person who has leprosy. And there's 10 of them. Now, I got this from um, a pastor from Peace United Church in Duluth, one of my favorite churches. Um, I don't remember his name. He's a queer man who has AIDS. And at the Pride Festival um, interfaith service, he gave a message on this piece. You were there, weren't you, Rebecca? Right? And he says, this is a form of protest. The 10 of them Walking together is a protest because usually you'd have to you'd be by yourself and maybe you'd be with two or three other people. But here they're walking outside of their colony and they're walking as a group. Why? Because they found friends. They found affection. They found a community. They found someone who can touch and laugh, someone who they could have conversations with, someone they could dream with together because nowhere else can they go, can they do that. And they're walking out in public because they're pretty much saying, what are you going to do about it? You're going to come up and break up our party? We'll look, Whoa, we're lepers, right? They, that, they, they, they just own the room. And as they're walking along, they see Jesus in between. And they yell out, right? Master Jesus, which is the first time in Luke, anyone who is not a disciple called Jesus master. So there's something that they witnessed about Jesus. There's this rumor about Jesus that at least one of them knew of like, hey, I think I know who, who that is. And so they yell out to him. And whoever yelled out, you can imagine the other nine, right? When they yell out, Master Jesus, they're like, Bill, shut up. We got a good thing going here. We're playing Twister. When's the last time you played Twister, Bill? Tonight's the night to play Twister, right? And one person yells out because they see something. And what they ask for, right? They say, have pity on us. Like, when you hear pity, like, I think of, like, hey, Jesus, have Pity on us, and Jesus is like, oh, man, what a bummer, boo-hoo. Right? I think of pity like that. But pity is different, right? In this sense, pity is, say, Jesus, Master Jesus, can you see who we are? Can you see that I'm more than a skin disease? Can you see that I have a dream? Can you see that I have, like, passion? Can you see that I have, like, moxie and nuance? Can you see that I, 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 I want to be, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus, can you validate our, just validate our existence. What you need to think about it that way, isn't that what we all want? And it's not saying, like, uh, tell us that we're better than we really are. It's not like Jesus is going to say, hey, guys, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Just believe in your dreams, right? Like, 
that's not what he's doing. They're, they're asking for, can you just see the state we're in? Can you acknowledge where we are? Because, like, I don't know. I sure like it when I'm struggling and someone goes, you don't look like you're doing well, right? And usually when that happens, I just start crying. I'm not doing well. Thank you for seeing me, right? Is that what you want when someone checks in on you because they haven't seen you for a little bit? Someone sends you a text and they know that your mental health is not well. Someone pops over and brings a meal. Someone who has pity on you is not a negative thing. We've turned it into a negative thing. It's acknowledging and seeing, I see who you are. And let me remind you that who you are is still beautiful. Because here, these, these lepers are just like, this is our existence. And they're asking for the master. They, they appoint some authority. They appoint some power. They appoint some influence saying, please, can you see us? And what does Jesus tell them to do? He says, go back to the priests. Now, it's the priests were the very people who said, hey, you get to go to this colony, right? All these people get to be over here. All these people get to be included. All these people get to go to the festivals. They get to have, um, like, be at the tables and the, and the parties, and they get to laugh. They can see their family and friends. And so Jesus says, go back to the very people who told you you're unclean. It says, Luke says, when they start moving towards the priest, they're cleansed. So in a sense, Jesus is saying, I recognize. You're asking for me to validate who you are. You're asking me to have pity. You're asking me to say, yes, in your state you exist. And Jesus says, like, why don't you go do it? Go undress in front of this rabbi. Or not this rabbi, in front of this priest, right? Go undress and show them your skin and say, I am beautiful and I am strong. Exactly who I am, I'm included. I am good and beautiful. It wasn't until they actually believed it for themselves that they were cleansed. Jesus never said, now you are healed. He just says, go be exactly who you are. And in believing that and doing that was what made him well. And I love this, right? Because when Jesus, oh, I'm going to go on a rant here. When Jesus, I always like to tell people in advance, right? When Jesus heals people, we always look at it and say, wow, that's cool, right? Like if, if, if Jeff could like heal a blind man and be like, Jeff, do that party trick again, right? You, you do it all the time if you could, right? But Jesus doesn't do it just to for a physical healing. It's, all, it's also always a social healing. It's not just physical. It's community. It's social. Because when Jesus heals the blind man and the paralyzed man, people are like, oh, wow, you're good. Oh, wow, you're healthy. Oh, wow, you're amazing. And Jesus is saying, he's always been. You just couldn't see it. I'm helping everyone here awaken to the reality that these lepers have always been in. These people have always been included. You've called them out. You've said they're separated. I'm saying they've always belonged. Through these healings, Jesus is holding up a mirror back to uh, culture, back to society, and saying, is this how you want to be human? Is this how you want to organize your life? There's a better way of existing. So the guy, uh, one guy, the Samaritan, right? And Samaritans uh, were, they called outsiders or aliens because some, uh, it's geographical, but it's also some Jewish people um, intermarried with um, Gentiles, we use that word, right? People that, who weren't Jewish. And they started their own very similar faith, very similar culture, but because of that, they were looked down upon, right? They were seen as um, second-class citizens. That's a better way of using it, right? So there would be all this intersectionality of um, violence, racism, economics that would just leave them at a lesser, lesser space. And of all the people, this is the in-between, he's the one to come back. And he throws himself in front of Jesus, and it says that he's um, shouting out to God, giving him thanks. And Jesus says, uh, 
where's everyone else? Which I would ask the same question, right? I'm happy for you, man, but like, uh, where's everyone else? And two ways of thinking about this I have found fascinating. Um, a scholar wrote um, either, um, and we don't know, like this is nowhere in the Bible. This is just like a, a theory. He said, uh, maybe it's because they got healed and they're cleansed and they could finally go back to their family and do Taco Tuesday with their family instead of in their colony. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'd probably do that. And the other one, he said, is um, maybe it was because they were outside. Now they're cleansed, so now they're inside the community. And if they would come back to Jesus, they could be outside again. Because Jesus carries with him a reputation, a disruptor. We like to think of Jesus as being like, you know, walking around, nice middle-aged white guy saying, you want some bread? You want some life? You want some water? Right? You want some wine? And Jesus was an activist, right? Jesus was a mover and a shaker uh, and would, like, blow things up. Not, that's a bad word. He would stir things up. That's a, a better word, right? And with that came a reputation, especially in this part of town in Samaria. And so they're like, ooh, thanks, Jesus, but I'm going to choose to be on the inside now, right, for being out so long, which I found fascinating. So he throws himself generosity, and most, a lot of people take this verse of saying, hey, we should really be generous, and we should practice gratitude. I'm with you 100%. What I want to focus on the end is when Jesus says, um, it was your faith that made you well, right? Jesus doesn't take ownership for this healing, Right? He says, hey, that's great that you got cleansed, um, but it was your faith. It's like Jesus saying, hey, you were hungry, and I just pointed to where the kitchen was, right? You, you found it. Because faith here is interesting, because I, I mean, maybe we're in the same spot. When I think about faith, um, I think about, like, um, what I believe. Anyone else? Faith to me is like some intellectual um, process that has doctrine and dogma and theories and, well, would God do this? And what does Christ mean when he says this? What Jesus is saying is he never said like, hey, uh, Bill, we'll just call him Bill, the, the guy that's feet is like, hey, um, did you say the Nicene Creed yet? D- hey, Bill, d- do you know the Apostles' Creed? Guys, I want you to read it. It wasn't like he fell down on his feet and says, oh, Jesus, I believe in you that you will die in three days, you know, ascend from Hades with the keys to heaven in your hand. Jesus would say like, whoa, 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 you're a little ahead of yourself, right? The faith is not just believing what Jesus said, is that he actually went and did it. It's not just knowing what Jesus says, it's embodying it. And when Jesus says your faith made you well, it was like you actually believed that you were good and beautiful. You actually believed that you're worth being believed. It was actually that you went into culture and said, I am worth being known and loved. Which for me is just so, so beautiful. Because when I witness something, either an injustice or even something beautiful, externally and usually internally. There's sometimes I feel like, oh, I really just, I, I don't know what I can do. Or I have this big dream of, I'm going to go do this, and then I hit, like, a, the most tiniest little bit of resistance. I'm like, all right, not today, Satan, and I go back into the basement, right? And what Jesus is inviting us, what I believe what Luke and what the person of Christ is inviting us to do, is that faith means that we show up. And what showing up looks like is going to look different all across this room. And it's when we actually believe in who we are and who Christ invites us to be, that's the key part, right? Then we actually move towards it, be it, do it, and experience it. So here's where I end. In this nuanced, weird story, maybe there's something you heard that inspires you. 
maybe it's time that you feel like you need a protest. And maybe that might be like holding up a sign on a bridge. Go for it, right? But maybe the protest is that you are going to stop being small. That you're going to stop, like, in the business meeting, just to keep your head down, don't say anything. Maybe you're going to stop being small in your family Thanksgiving where you just like crazy Uncle Gary say whatever he says, right? Maybe it's time that you stop being small in your group of friends saying, well, I'll just let everyone else make the decisions. Maybe it's time that you get loud. Maybe it's time that you just speak up. Maybe it's time that you move. You do. Maybe it's time that you have pity on someone else in the most positive way. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know that is going through a real hard time with mental health. Maybe you know someone who's going through a real hard time economically. Maybe you know someone who's going through a real hard part in their relationship or their marriage, and they feel like they can't do anything. There is so much power in showing up. There's so much power in just speaking truth. Maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's time to actually have some faith in yourself. The thing you've been wanting to do for like the past two years, the thing that you feel like, I'll I'll never be able to do it. Maybe it's time that you actually do it. So I'm going to pray. And then if you'd like to process or you'd like to um, chat or you want to practice knife throwing with Jordan and I, you're welcome to do that. So please join me as we pray. So God, we... uh, We love you. And I thank you that you're in this in-between place. And I thank you that when I ever, like, we say, oh, of course God's over here. And then you will, like, manifest and reveal this, this something beautiful and amazing and, like, surprising places. I thank you for that. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you would, um, Awaken those things in us of where we are missing seeing you. We're missing seeing what you're doing, what you're inviting us to be. And I ask God that you would help us be, um, be able to see the people around us. And that we can use protest. And we can use love. And we can use faith to not just think. Big fan of thinking. But we can use faith as a way of showing up and helping this, our neighborhoods, our businesses, our families, our friends to create good and beautiful things. So, we love you. Amen. All right. Thank you, friends. Have a good rest of your weekend.